It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Matthew Collar here, along with Jonathan Harrison. We are going to do it hot route style, as always, here on a, well, it's actually a Wednesday night, but uh, last night there was a night practice and it threw everything off, but not the point. So uh, I've got a bunch of questions for you, Jonathan, but also always happy, as everyone knows, to answer all of your Vikings fan questions as well along the way, as we have been doing every night during the lead up to this preseason game and guess what we will also be doing it after the preseason game as well going live as soon as the game ends in fact depending on how it's going maybe a few minutes earlier than that uh just to get the discussion going um in years past there has been some fourth quarters that weren't really worth watching so uh but definitely toward the end of the game make sure you keep an eye on the youtube channel where we will be going live or on the podcast feed that uh, approximately an hour after the game ends there will be a podcast up so Jonathan, here's what I want to know. I, I didn't ask you to prep this, so you're just going to have to figure it out. All right. Uh, do you have a favorite, like, preseason? Did you, did you enjoy – do you enjoy preseason? Do you like it? Does it get you excited? Do you have, like, a, oh, man, I remember – Back in the day when McLeod Bethel Thompson was firing it up, I just had the greatest time of my life. Or are you more of a cynical preseason watcher? No, I think preseason's fun. It's just the fact that we football for the first time in, what, nine months? Uh, just seeing it back on our television screens is always great. I think the one lasting memory from preseason football in the past, I think it was Zach Line, if I'm remembering correctly, had – had a big had a big couple returns or uh, fumble. I can't remember what it was. Interception. Audi Cole. I think you're thinking of Audi Cole. That's the one. Audi yes. Cole. Yeah. Yes, Audi Cole with a couple interception returns in one game uh, and set set Vikings Twitter and Vikings social media a buzz. But then ended up just doing nothing in the in the regular season. But definitely earned himself himself a spot on the roster just by one big game. That's probably the biggest memory. But other than that, it's just nice having football back on the television, even if it is subpar, not so great football, it's still football. I remember in 2018, Kirk made his finger quote debut and he went out there for, I think one drive and absolutely lit it up and threw an amazing touchdown to Stefan Diggs. And I just remember being like, man, this offense is going to be unreal. Like, man, now that Case Keenum's gone, Kirk's in here, this 2018 offense is going to be one to be remembered. And we did remember it for the offensive coordinator getting fired later on. But 
Uh, that was really something. The battle of Rock Thomas versus Mike Boone raged on throughout that summer. Of course, the hilarious Kyle Sloter battles, uh, the Alexander Hollins emergence. Like, we've been through it. And that's usually the things that we remember. Uh, with Kevin O'Connell uh, last year, T.Y. McGill and his three-sack game, um, I also remember it for the failures, for the guys that we hyped up or that people got excited about and then kind of realized once they started playing in actual games, maybe there wasn't really anything there. Um, that's also a Kyle Sloter situation. Um, I remember picking, <laughs> I, I picked Isaac Frickty as my first Mr. Mankato pick and he dropped the first three passes that he got. And I don't think he ever you know, did anything. Nope. Bucky Hodges had an unbelievable catch in his first preseason game in the fourth quarter. And I remember because they simulcast it. And I think uh, so we, we could hear PA's broadcast with the TV and he went bananas with this uh, Bucky Hodges catch. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Well, maybe they got this big old weapon here in Bucky Hodges and nah, not so much. Um, Kellen Mond also, I think we all knew it was absolutely over for Kellen Mond against San Francisco. And likewise, Kyle mm -hmm. Sloter, when he got to start the fourth preseason game, against Buffalo. How about the Corey Vedvik incidents uh, of him being a kicker, then missing a bunch of kicks and then being a punter and giving up a punt return for touchdown because he outkicked the coverage. I mean, stuff like that is just not replaceable. Uh, how about here? Here's one that's deep in the weeds. Here's one that's deep in the weeds. So Mitch Leidner in 2017, mm -hmm. I believe, came in and of course he had been working for like DoorDash or something. And a fellow yep. reporter called DoorDash to ask what kind of delivery guy he was, which was just a little bit too much for me. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so Mitch Leidner is throwing to Caleb Jones. And if anybody remembers Caleb Jones, he has this huge game and in the fourth preseason game, it doesn't matter at all, of course, but they lead like a game winning drive and he makes a great catch and he makes the practice squad because of this great game, because I think it mattered a lot more to Mike Zimmer than it did to Kevin O'Connell. So these games were like, yes. Oh, let's see who you know gets these final spots because of this. So he has this great game. Talk to him after he's all excited. He makes the team as a practice squad player, giving him a chance. And in the Minneapolis miracle, after Diggs goes into the end zone and throws his helmet, the first person to greet him in the end zone is Caleb Jones. And after the, the next day, he said that he thought that he may have ruined it because he, he like may have illegally gone on the field, which I'm not entirely sure that he didn't like illegally go on the field. Like I, I don't know <laughs> right. the rules, but if he had gone onto the field before Diggs went into the end zone, then it actually would have been a flag, I believe. But it must have been after he had gone into the end zone. Not that anyone in that moment could process what happened anyway, but that's sort of like one of those funny, like random preseason game connection ends up, you know, how about Holton Hill who barely made the team. And then for two years, we sort of pretended he was going to be something. And then it was never something like Hercules Mata off there. I mean, there's been a lot of them through the years and I kind of can't wait for that. And I think that's a great place to start Jonathan, which my first question is, uh, three players that you're most interested in. Who are the three players that you cannot wait to watch closely during the Vikings opening preseason game? I think for one, I cannot wait to see Jordan Addison because we know Kevin O'Connell is going to play and we don't know how much, and that might come up later in the podcast, but I think I'm excited to see what the first rounder has to offer because from every single report we've heard from all the reporters out at training camp, 
is he's been lighting it up. He's been exciting to watch. And I want to see what he does when there are other professional football players on the field against him and to see how he does against pro football players uh, instead of just college players. And I, I'm excited to see that. I don't want to see too much of it. Uh, if it's really, really good, I just want him to get off the field and stay healthy for the season and get ready to go because preseason is meaningless. Um, but I think number one is easily uh, Jordan Addison, number one there. Number two, uh, Makai Blackman. I want to see what he does, uh, especially with how much it seems that the Vikings wanted him in the draft. You saw the draft video afterwards and how excited they were and how excited they were to get him and uh, what he can provide in that cornerback room because that is the biggest competition on this team, it seems like, and I want to see what he's able to do. I think just the cornerback room in general for me is – uh, my num- my number two here is because of what what all the changes that went through that room went through this last offseason and what they're expected to do this offseason or this season in Brian Flores' defense. Uh, they're my number two. And then I'm really intrigued uh, to see if Lewis Seen can take a step here because obviously last season didn't go well for him. Obviously, the injury cut it short, but it just didn't seem like he caught on right away. Um, was struggling to get up to build himself up the depth chart, but I want to see if he's able to take a step. Uh, I know it seems like the training camp from what you guys have said, hasn't really gone that well for him. He's not really standing out, but I want to see if he can do it on, on, on the field during a game and see if something clicks with him. And he's probably my number three right now. Well, I think that's a great list. Uh, how much Jordan Addison's going to play, of course, is at the top of the list for questions. I'm sure anybody who's making their uh, top 10 things to watch for the preseason game type of previews is going to have that way up there. I'm very intrigued by that as well. Is it going to be the first half? Is it going to be the first drive? Um, I think Kevin O'Connell has to, to you know, sort of uh, approach that carefully. You don't want to just be handing the rookie the night off. So I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Like you got to prove that you deserve to have the night off. Um, and we might even see the first offense take one drive or something. I, mean, I think we did last year and maybe just Jefferson didn't play and Thielen. But, you know, I mean, I, I imagine Jefferson and Osborne won't play, but maybe there's the first team offensive line. Maybe Kirk even takes a drive. Last year, he said that he was going to take one drive. But if you remember, he got COVID and didn't play in the game against the Raiders in that opening preseason game. So that'll be interesting. But obviously, Jordan Addison is, is a top pick here because he's the first rounder. Makai Blackman is a great selection. I, I'm interested to see. Um, Nick asked how, which rookie will get the most run. I was going to answer that with Makai Blackman because he plays first team outside and second team inside. So he could end up playing pretty much the, the whole first half potentially. And he's a rookie too. And you don't want to get him hurt, but also he needs experience going up against receivers. And then you mentioned Lewis scene. I don't know how much the preseason games can influence where Lewis scene stands. This might just have to be a thing that he's got to show Brian Flores in practice where it's more complicated and they're doing things that uh, they're really going to do in games as opposed to the vanilla defense. But, you know, make it plays in real games. It it does matter. So I I think you made great selections there. I'll add to that. Ty Chandler is a big one here. Um, Kenny Wongwu does not appear he's going to play. He did not practice the other night. He's been out the last couple of uh, nights. And I will add in Dwayne McBride as well. Those two running backs should get a lot of action. Uh, Dwayne McBride's kind of been interesting throughout camp. He was returning some kicks the other day, so maybe he'll be back there returning some kicks in the second half. But those guys, they got to pass protect. 
I mean, they got to be in the right places. They got to get the details down um, because I, I don't think that the coaches have been super pumped about that so far. I mean, they haven't, you know, this coaching staff doesn't just hammer guys like Mike Zimmer, but there's a little <laughs> bit of, well, you know, Ty Chandler is going to have to kind of figure out some things that we're asking him to do. And like, okay, I get what you're saying that um, Alexander Madison seems to be the only one that understands the offense fully. So how that goes. I'll give you a low key one for me. And I don't know if the guy's actually even going to play or not, but I would like to see Josh Oliver play just so everyone can see how huge he is, but also like a little bit of like, what's this guy look like out there? I mean, I think he brings along a little bit of intrigue. Um, Maybe going to the second tight end is too much on brand for me, but I'm just interested. (laughs) I'm very interested. I, I I've got, you know, kind of an article in the works about it. And I'm just very interested to see, where uh, Josh Oliver fits in. And then does anybody else surprise us? And does it matter? So like last year, Luigi Villain, he's like still on the team. He sort of emerged. Uh, Tay Gowan, Kalen Barnes, like they've got a bunch of dudes who we, you know, have it. Jawan Williams is another one who was taking first team reps. And then Makai Blackman took his first team reps, but he's made a couple of plays recently. So there's a lot of guys. And this is sort of my main thought about this preseason is that there are way more people of interest than there probably ever have been in the past. So I actually am very uh, uh, much looking forward to this where I don't know. That's always been the case. Like I, I like to see people out on a football field dressed in football pajamas running around, but I think that this will actually carry some weight for what happens. And they won't just look at this completely as kind of a, a scrimmage for the backups. Yeah, absolutely. With, with the amount of turnover they had uh, not just on the defense, but in some of the key offensive positions as well, They've brought in a lot of guys. They've just thrown a lot of numbers at a lot of young guys as well uh, at these positions looking to see who sticks. And it's very, that's actually exciting as opposed to last off season when I know you've mentioned it a couple of times, we went into it knowing pretty much who was going to be the starter at every single position at bar, maybe like one or two, maybe. But other than that, we knew what was going to happen in the preseason. We knew who was starting. So there wasn't really much intrigue this year. We have no idea who's going to start. Uh, week one against Tampa Bay at U.S. Bank Stadium uh, along much of the defense. So it's very exciting to see what's going to happen there, as well as I don't know that we're going to see too much of the overall Brian Flores scheme, but just seeing what hopefully is a much more competent defense uh, than what they had last year. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of intrigue, especially on that defensive side, because of all of the turnover, all of the new guys, all the young new guys as well. And what looks like a better draft class in this second go around for Quasi at Afomensa than what we saw in the first round. So uh, I'm excited for the preseason for once. Uh, it's been a while for the Vikings to be excited uh, about the preseason. Yeah. And I should have mentioned Ivan Pace Jr. Of course. I mean, he's made yes. our uh, YouTube headlines a couple of times here with the hype for the undrafted free agent who's been taking first team reps. And I don't know if Brian Osamoa is going to play because he did not practice the other night in uh, seven on seven or 11 on 11s, which was unusual. He did do his warmups. So I don't know why that was, uh, if it was injury related, um, but I'm curious to see if he's out there, if he's with Jordan Hicks, or if he's with the second team, it looks like Ivan Pace has taken over that job, but that's uh, just for now. 
Uh, Jordan says, hot take. The kicking competition is a sham. Jackpot Lesney has already won. We just don't know it yet. Well, I don't know, man, because I saw Jackpot Lesney shank a 33 yarder. He, you know, I mean, he's got a big leg for sure. And it might be a Ryan Wright situation where Matt Daniels just went out and got his guy. But uh, I'm not sure I want to say that it's a sham in the way that Jack Pudlesny has the job. Um, so far, Greg Joseph hasn't been that impressive, though. It's a, it's a thing to watch for sure. Greg Joseph is going to get the first opportunity. Matt Daniels told us that the other night. And although Matt Daniels once told us there was going to be a punt off last year and there was no punt off, so it did happen. And boy, he was held accountable on this very show. Um, I interviewed him <laughs> after that. I was like, where's my punt off? I don't understand what happened to my punt off. But I think it is a real competition, but that Greg Joseph right now probably has a 75% chance to win it. We'll see if that changes at all. Um, from uh, Delton here, I want to see the young cornerbacks uh, or defensive backs. Absolutely. I mean, I think even Josh Metellus, um, people didn't get a great look at him last year during the preseason. I mean, I think he was just sort of a guy at that point. And he's emerged to have an interesting role. I don't know how much he's going to play Metellus because it seems like he's kind of locked into being, um, you know, an important piece of the defense. But, you know, Brian Flores might see it differently than Kevin O'Connell as far as actually getting these guys out there because there are a lot of guys who are unproven. I also want to throw this one up on the screen because it shows me that um, people are are new to the show. And I want to welcome people who are have just started finding it. it says a uh, guy with the shades, which is I'm wearing, of course, the Oakley's. Must be blind. Feel for you, bro. Now, um, <laughs> we had an Oakley sponsorship over the summer, and they sent me these. And these are almost exactly like ones that Justin Jefferson wears, to which I find to be hilarious. So that's why I'm wearing them. Plus, the name of the show is Hot Routes. So, uh, but uh, what? You you don't think it looks cool? You don't? No? Nobody thinks I look as cool as Justin Jefferson? Uh, I saw our friend Chuck Aoki celebrity Chuck Aoki making fun of me already in the uh, comments there. Didn't realize Justin Jefferson was podcasting tonight. <laughs> guess he's not playing tomorrow. He's got time. Yeah. That, that Oh, it's me, Chuck. What? When did that happen? <laughs> well, yeah. When, when did, when did Matt get here? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this is a, an unfortunate memory that uh, Daniel brings up Irv Smith getting hurt. Um, for, you know, playing the stars. And that's the thing about this particular training camp is I do want to see some of these guys. And I do think that it matters for some of them to get out there. But I also keep that in the back of my mind that if you're Irv Smith Jr., you never forgive Mike Zimmer for that. I mean, come on, mm -hmm. man. Like he was already, he was, he was having a great camp primed for kind of that breakout season. And it was never really the same after that because he was in an offense that was going to focus on him. And instead uh, he ends up getting hurt. They go with Tyler Conklin. It's never, it's never right. Again, he never came back from that, got hurt in the next camp. It's a complicated offense for receivers and tight ends with Kevin O'Connell, which I think set him behind. And he just never seemed very comfortable in the offense. Uh, which is why, you know, this Vikings offense has probably a little bit higher of a ceiling this year than last year. Um, also, uh, Jaron Hall mentioned by Brian, very, very much, very much. Uh, Jaron Hall got off to a really nice start in training camp, as I'm sure some of you remember that we put it as the headline of the, the YouTube video, like uh, Jaron Hall, like off to a great start. And since then it has been less so, but I would also say that 
I mean, he doesn't look like Kellen Mond where it, you just went, oh, I, I feel bad for this guy on a daily basis because he's just so far off. Uh, I think that it's um, a lot of sort of just getting used to it, getting used to the speed of 11 on 11s in the NFL, even with third teamers. Third teamers are guys who were picked up by an NFL team to see if there's something there. So they're a lot better than whoever you're playing at BYU. Uh, I think he's getting used to that. And I also think he could look good. Um, it's it's very possible for someone like this who's you know a little bit on the older side. Uh, I think that he was brought here to be good at you know delivering the football on time and things like that, which I think he does for the most part. Um, but if it doesn't go well, well, that's kind of typical of a rookie quarterback who was drafted in the fifth round. Uh, Daniel says, I wonder how many quarters Hall will get. If I had to guess, this is just my guess. Uh, obviously, look, if you're a head coach of a football team, you can't be telling the public how many snaps <laughs> your quarterbacks are going to take. Because otherwise, I don't know. There's no repercussions whatsoever. I don't know why they don't just tell us. But uh, I, I'm just going to guess Kirk Cousins takes the first drive, and that's it, and then is out of the game. And then Nick Mullins comes in for the first half and Jaron Hall gets the whole second half. I mean, Nick Mullins has not had a very nice camp. It's been kind of brutal. And so I think that they're going to want to get him um, quite a, quite a bit of work. Uh, Chuck says how soon until those joint practices are televised instead of preseason sounds like they will be more interesting. And uh, yeah, well, I mean, of course people would watch for sure. Um, the thing about the joint practices that the funny thing about it is that the team will run a lot of the stuff that I think they're actually going to run in joint practices where they don't really necessarily want it on TV. Okay. If you want to break down fan videos from the stands. All right. But um, <laughs> if you put it on tape and they can watch the all 22 and all that, it's a little easier to break down for the other team. And these teams are always super paranoid and everything, but the joint practices have a lot of juice um, uh, for this year to have two of them. You can tell how much it matters, but I also think that, it's just so much different this year than last year. Don't you think Jonathan, like last year, uh, as soon as we were done with the first preseason game, I was like, Oh my God, there's two more. I can't believe we have to watch two more of this this year. I think, I just think there's a little bit more. There's a little bit more juice to these. Yeah, absolutely. And we've discussed it because it's because of the amount of change. And I think because of the change on the defensive side with Brian Flores, there's, there's more, there's more interest to see how this defense adapts to what's coming uh, from Brian Brian Flores in that defensive scheme. I, I don't know so much about the offensive side that there's a whole lot of interest there. I mean, yeah, you want to see uh, Justin Jefferson be, do well, but you're not going to see him in the preseason. They're not going to risk that. Uh, I, I think there's just so much interest with what that defense will look like this season, because if they can be some, if they can be even just what 10, 10 spots better than they were last year and the offense stays the same or, even regresses maybe just a little bit. This still a, that's still a very good football team because that the defense clearly was a thing was one of the things holding this team back last year uh, from going further in the playoffs. But I think uh, if if this defense can just be a little bit better and more competent and uh, you know pressure the quarterback a little bit more than they did last year, and you can see that in the preseason, there's going to be even more hype going into the regular season. Uh, Dylan says, why do I feel like Blake Prohl is a very smooth wide receiver? I, Blake, Pro well, first of all, his dad was a very, very good NFL player, Ricky Prohl, Super Bowl champion, Ricky Prohl. And mm -hmm. uh, I, before he got hurt two years ago, which I was standing right there when it happened and uh, 
heard it. It was not pleasant. It was a horrible, horrible injury. And what he's done to work back from that is one of the great stories of Vikings camp so far this year, because he is out there making plays on a nightly basis. I don't think he makes the 53, but I, I think that they will maybe keep him on the practice squad because they, they really like him for, for one as a person. He's I think very popular in the locker room, but also, yeah, he does have some talent and it turns out he also has musical talent too. I, I saw he was, uh, I don't know if it's happened yet, but he was playing first half. Are you aware of this? That, that Blake Prohl during his injury became a singer. I'm not making this up. Like he got hurt and he started oh. singing and then people started to see it on TikTok, And, uh, then, um, he started to like make actual music and he's an extremely good singer and he was scheduled. I don't know if this has happened or not. I just saw it on the first half Twitter to actually play first half. How crazy is that? I hadn't heard about that, but that's awesome. That's, I mean, I'm jealous that a man that has that many talents that he's able to make it into uh, a NFL team's practice squad, but also is able to headline a show at first half. Like that's, that's too much talent for one person. Spread the wealth around, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's right. And he didn't even know. Like, that was the crazy thing is that he didn't even know he was a really great singer and just sort of came about. Um, let's see. Uh, Brian mentions Jay Ward. Yeah, you know, have not seen a whole heck of a lot out of Jay Ward so far in training camp. And, you know, it's hard to study every player's reps like the coaches do when they go back on tape. And uh, that would be great to do. Um, but you know, they, they don't want us filming every single play. So uh, you kind of have to just eyeball it sometimes. I just can't say that there's been a lot of splashes when he's out there. He's been with the third team, hasn't had any second team reps. He's a guy that I think does need an opportunity here to, to step up and make some plays. And if you're on the third team, that is one thing about Kevin O'Connell's preseason is you will get a chance to show that you deserve some better reps in practice if you go out there and uh, make plays. Sean says, I'm dying to see our depth on the D-line because our starters minus Hunter seem okay. Okay is probably being a little generous, um, but yeah, there's some guys that got to prove themselves. I mean, DJ Wanham sort of is what he is, I think. And uh, Patrick Jones, though, is a guy that this year it's either ascend or who knows. And the real intrigue here, as we were mentioning players, and there's a, there's a lot of them, Andre Carter, if he plays. Uh, he just came back from his injury. I don't know if he's going to play or not. I would assume that he does because it's kind of like, hey, time time to go. He's been practicing yeah. in full the last few days. He is a really interesting uh, physical specimen. I mean, this guy is humongous. He's fast. Um, so, you know, I think that he has uh, a pretty good chance to make some noise in these preseason games. He's going to be absolutely one to watch. Um, Jordan says being robbed of a punt off was the most disappointing preseason moment in a long time. It was. Yeah. I mean, there have been interesting moments over the years. I mean, remember when Everson Griffin came back and then he gets into a preseason game and just smokes some dude and gets a sack right off the bat. Like, okay, I guess Everson Griffin, uh, is uh, good to go. Um, let's see. Uh, Jay says, is the Reisner idea dead? I don't think so but there's no momentum after he left, uh, but he hasn't signed with anyone else. And uh, you know, uh, who was it? I think Cleveland. So Shelby Lewis, not Shelby Lewis, Shelby Harris, the defensive tackle signed with Cleveland today. And if I'm not mistaken, and sometimes I just see like whatever updates from other beat reporters, I think he visited Cleveland a while ago and then just signed today. So 
sometimes these things end up um, playing out after a while. I wouldn't call it dead. Uh, maybe, uh, but you know, we're not going to get much more information out of a preseason game to tell. Um, but I think that that might still be in the air as long as he hasn't, um, you know, as long as he hasn't signed uh, anywhere else yet, then it's still alive. Um, why play our big name starters at all? Jonathan, what is your opinion on this? I mean, do you think that Mike Zimmer was antiquated wrong for playing the starters that, uh, O'Connell has been right about it. And I, I mean, I think that they might want one drive just to get the operation, but, uh, do you think that they should just sit them? Don't play them at all. Do you think that, uh, playing them a little bit was okay? Or how do you feel about it? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. No, I don't want them. I don't want the the big name starters to play at all. Uh, I know what I'm going to get out of those guys, and I would rather them take maybe a week or two in the regular season to get up to gear and get going, rather because those games actually mean something, and you can actually those results uh, count towards the playoffs. Whereas the the preseason doesn't count, doesn't matter. Uh, and if you get injured in the preseason, it's completely meaningless. Doesn't help you out. Uh, whatever their production in the preseason game before that, uh, before that injury. Uh, doesn't help you out whatsoever. So keep those guys on the sideline. I do not want to see them one single snap, one single play, uh, and save them for the regular season. I think Mike Zimmer uh, playing those guys as long as he did in the preseason games was is now clearly an antiquated idea. It doesn't work out for you. It doesn't really help you out that much in the regular season, I don't think, because as we've seen in the past, you can take those first four weeks and kind of get yourself going and build yourself into playing shape over those, those first four weeks and find yourself into the playoffs later on in the season. I don't think that you need the preseason games for the big name starters. Some of the guys that are on the fringe, maybe you play them a little bit more, but the guys who are going to be starters here, your Kirk Cousins, your Justin Jefferson's, uh, your TJ Hawkinson's, uh, Daniel Hunter's, you don't play those guys one single snap in the preseason, save them, for the regular season. That's that's my view anyways. Well, back in the day, they used to have six preseason games, which is Why? hilarious. But but also you mentioned it. I mean, these guys, they stay in shape 365 days yeah. a year. I mean, they they have it down to a science of exactly how you prepare your body. Terrence Newman was talking about this one time about how he made sure that he had his body in shape so it would play into shape to peak sort of at the beginning of the season. And he would come into training camp, not quite there and, you know, let it, you know, improve and improve and be ready to go. I mean, these guys have it down to science. And I just think that, you know, you don't really need this. Also, they all understand football so well. 
Um, and, mm-hmm. and if you don't, you're probably not on NFL team anyway, when it comes to veteran players. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that it's necessary to play anybody who matters a single snap in the preseason and 2020 proved this to us. Does anybody remember or care that there was no preseason? I think it did hurt defenses maybe a little to have that shortened off season because, uh, offenses put up huge numbers in 2020. And then it regressed a little the last couple of years also road. There was no home field advantage that year because no fans and so forth, but overall it means nothing. Um, so I, I don't really think you need Kirk cousins. I'm just basing on what they said last year in my guess that he plays one series. I could be wrong. It's just last year. He said that he was going to play a single series in Las Vegas, but he got sick. And then, you know, that's why he didn't play. Um, Anthony says, how many points per game would our offense have to be, uh, our offense need to average this season to feel comfortable with, with the defense that we have under Flores. I mean, I think we all know that as interesting as it is on defense and as much as Brian Flores has made a great first impression, the answer is a lot. I mean, you're, you're playing Patrick Mahomes, you're playing Joe Burrow, you're playing, like you're going to need to score. Um, and so I think that they probably need to, I mean, there's a bunch of different metrics. I like the metric of scoring percentage. How often does your offense produce points? I think that's a really good metric to say how much you move the ball, how consistently, uh, you're getting into the other team's territory. The Vikings were mid pack last year, and I think that they need to be in the top 10 scoring percentage where they are consistently producing points. And then, of course, probably the top 10 in scoring. But sometimes those scoring numbers can be a little bit like if they had just beaten Indianapolis 24 to 10, they wouldn't have had to put so many points on the board, but that wasn't good, right? So like sometimes that, you know, I I just like to see them be one of the top 10 most efficient offenses. And I think that's what you need in order to be really good. Uh, Let's see. What about Bob says, do you need... Uh, do you see almost zero depth at almost all levels or am I missing something? Well, let's think about it. Um, well, wide receiver, it kind of looked like it for a minute there, but then, uh, Jalen Naylor got hurt on the first day and then Tristan Jackson got hurt, um, a few mm-hmm. days ago. So that's looked a little bit less, uh, tight end. They certainly have depth that with Josh Oliver, no team has offensive line depth. We don't talk about that. They have a swing tackle. That's good enough. <laughs> defensive line and pass rush. Not really. Uh, nope. not really. No, not really. I, I mean, linebacker, you, not really. Definitely not. If you're playing a UDFA, all respect to Ivan yeah. Pace's great preseason <laughs> safety. I guess so. If you have a first rounder as a backup, but yeah, no, I mean, this is, this is the thing about when, when you are trying to decide, um, like how good a team is going to be, that's the hard thing to factor. So if you look at a team and and it's generally difficult to have depth in the NFL to begin with, like go through 32 rosters and show me the backups in different positions that are great because there's not a lot of them normally. But, you know, when you talk about Philadelphia's defensive line or something, okay, well, they got defensive linemen for days. That's a big deal. San Francisco's got defensive linemen for days. There are some position groups, but Go to every team's fourth wide receiver. Who's the best number four wide receiver in the league? It's not an all Madden team. I mean, it's, 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 usually it's like this. And that's why injuries have such a big determination. But I think in this particular situation, it is very light uh, as far as the depth goes. When you are going from a rookie third rounder outside corner to the next guy is Jawan Williams, who the Patriots let go and he barely ever played as a second round draft pick. Yeah. 
And and that that might be the difference of having depth or not. Do you have a guy who's played before and like might be something? Uh, or is it immediately to your like Jaleel Johnson or something? It's just this drop off to someone who's more of a XFL or USFL type of talent. So that could be the difference. But you're right. I mean, th- that's one of the biggest questions about this team and, and really about preseason in general. Is anybody going to step up? Uh, before we move on, and speaking of depth, Jonathan, I, I want to mention our friends at Underdog Fantasy. I am trying to best ball draft teams with great depth. And I have no idea what I'm doing, but it's been really fun. Um, this is like the summer of me trying to play fantasy uh, football and on underdog, the best ball drafts are perfect for me and everyone else who has no idea how to play or has no time to commit or no desire to commit to managing teams. If you are a fantasy person that manages teams and like, Oh man, my, my fourth fantasy team has a third quarterback or whatever that I'm putting in off the waiver wire. Okay. Congratulations. That can't be me. That's why underdog fantasy is awesome because they have best ball drafts. It is the easiest place by far to play. Uh, There's no league management. You just draft and that's it. Uh, And the other thing is too, that I didn't realize Jonathan is that you can jump in for like five bucks to these leagues, five bucks. You can win like 25 or something like you don't have to bankroll your fantasy team on underdog fantasy. And if you sign up with the code purple, you will double your first deposit uh, up to a hundred dollars. So if you want to put 50 bucks in, they will match that with uh, $50. If you use the promo code purple, they've got a great app. I've been using it all the time. I've been doing these, these small dollar figure best ball drafts and, uh, yeah, we'll see how terribly I do throughout the season. So highly suggest underdog fantasy use the promo code purple uh, onto uh, the next uh, subject. I had uh, Jonathan, how many snaps would you guess that Jordan Addison first team offensive line, starting corners, Lewis scene, Jaron hall. Those are the ones that I'm very curious about how many snaps they take. So you you've got the list, go through them. How many total snaps do you think that those uh, either players or that unit ends up getting? So let's just start in the order from that that you sent it. Jordan Addison, he will play, as Kevin O'Connell said. I think he gets a drive, however long that will be, four, five, six plays. Uh, I think he gets a drive, and they will go off that. If if he, if they are not impressed, I would imagine they would put him in for maybe another drive, but I don't want to see him for more than a drive. Uh, if if all reports are, are true and, and he, he can transfer what he's been doing in training camp to the football – to the actual football field. I don't want to see much more than that. I don't think we need to uh, in the in preseason anyways. So maybe a drive, five, six plays from him, maybe 10 at the most uh, from Jordan Addison. First team offensive line. I think that's tricky because obviously there's different levels along that offensive line. Christian Dersaw, Brian O'Neill. Obviously Brian O'Neill coming back from the injury. Probably not going to see him. I don't care to see any more from Christian Dersaw. Save, save him till the regular season. He proved last year that he's one of the best left tackles in all of uh, the National Football League. I don't want to see him out on that football field uh, during preseason games. I don't want to see a single play from him um, tomorrow. Uh, the rest of the offensive line, though, uh, that's a little bit more tricky because obviously the interior of that line is probably the weakness or is definitely the weakness of that offensive line. So you're looking at uh, Ezra Cleveland and Garrett Bradbury. I want to see probably a couple probably a drive or two from those guys, see if they've got it, see what they, they'll they provide uh, this season. Ed Ingram, because of how terrible last season went, 
I want to see a half from him. See, get him more as many reps as you can get out of that guy because he was awful last season. I mean, some of the worst grades we've seen uh, out of a regular season or out of a regular starter over a season season's worth of snaps. So get him as many snaps uh, as you can get him. Uh, hopefully that provides him a little bit of confidence. Hopefully you can start to see him develop a little bit more than you saw last year. So get him as many snaps as you can get him at that right guard position. If it's a half, it's if it's the entire game, I don't care. Just keep him in uh, for as long as he needs, as long as they are comfortable with. The starting corners, I don't really need to see much from Brian Murphy. I know he's going to be, or Byron Murphy, I know he's going to be good at what he does. Uh, that's why they brought him in as the free agent from Arizona. Maybe see a drive from him, but get him off the field after that. The rest of them, keep him in there as long as possible because they're all young. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of experience, and you're still trying to see who is going to be the starters out of that group. It's, it's so uh, There's so many guys that could be the starter there that you want to see as much as you can. Probably give them a half uh, out of those guys tomorrow night. And Jaron Hall, I think I agree with what you said earlier in the show, that we'll probably see a drive, if that, from Kirk Cousins, and then it'll be Nick, Nick Mullins in the first half, and the second half will be Jaron Hall. I think that's I think that's probably accurate of what we'll see tomorrow night in Seattle is Jaron Hall gets the second half uh, with the third teamers, and we'll see from there. That That's my best guess for what we see from that list tomorrow night. Yeah, I think uh, Jordan Addison, I want to go maybe 10 snaps, maybe like two drives for Jordan Addison. Um, first team offensive line, I could see one drive, but of course, yeah, Brian O'Neill is not going to play. He's not really even participating fully yet. Christian Derrissaw doesn't have to, but maybe just to have the continuity. Um, it would also be weird to say, like, Christian, you don't have to play because you're awesome, but you guys in the middle – you are questionable. <laughs> you get out there for two drives. That would be a little weird. So I think that they could have them out there for a drive or two. If they don't, that's totally fine. I don't think that they will single out as Ezra Cleveland or Ed Ingram and be like, okay, you now you're really out there. <laughs> if they do, that will say something that will absolutely be a message to that player. If they're, if all the other starters are on the sideline and they're playing, it's a message by the way. Ed Ingram last year, his PFF grade was only slightly higher. I just looked it up than Dakota Dozier in pass blocking. So just, uh, just keep that one in mind. 2020 Dakota Dozier for how much he needs to prove. Um, starting corners, yeah, I definitely agree with you with Byron Murphy. Don't need him in very much. Everybody else, Caleb Evans, Makai Blackman, Jawan Williams, Andrew Booth Jr., Tay Gowan came up in the comments at some point, uh, Kalen Barnes, everybody. <laughs> You're all out there. You're all playing. But Andrew Booth yep. Jr. I want to see the most out of. And I know he's not a starter right now. But if there's somebody who has the most to prove and show that he deserved to be a second-round draft pick and belongs in this conversation, that would be quite the comeback if he was able to prove that. And uh, so he's got a lot to show there. Lewis Seen could just play the whole game as far as I'm concerned. I mean, just needs he just needs to play football. Yep. He needs reps. He got robbed out of uh, a lot of practice time, at very least, from last year because of his injury. And he just, he should be out there the whole game from start to finish. I don't need to see Cam Bynum or Harrison Smith. I just want to see Lewis seen out there for the whole, I mean, the whole first half. If it's into the second half, that's fine. The guy needs to play and he needs to get mm -hmm. confident and he needs to have chances to make mistakes and then correct them and so forth. And uh, it will be more likely than not. The whole second half goes to Jaron Hall. They don't have a fourth quarterback. So Jaron Hall is going to play a, a lot of football. 
Um, Sean says, I'm hoping we don't have uh, historically terrible right guard again this year. It is funny. <laughs> it's like every year we're saying, Hey, actually this is a record or this is the lowest in the whole league. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I get Ingram was a rookie, but we need to see reps from him tomorrow night. I just, yeah, that's what I'm very interested in is do they single someone out on the offensive line? I doubt that they will, but if they do, it's worth taking note of. Uh, 44 Rhino man asked, curious to see uh, this Blake Brandle guard stuff. Thought he played good as a backup tackle for Derisaw. In Buffalo, he did, and I think the next game he did not. But um, Brandle is a swing player. I mean, he could play guard or he could play tackle. He's a really smart backup type of player. Uh, he reminds me a lot of our friend Jeremiah Searles, who could play guard, he could play tackle. They even have him, they had him take a couple of reps last year at center just so he kind of knows it. Uh, those guys are valuable. Uh, you need, in a case of emergency, break glass, put them in any place you need them. I, I think that matters. Also, their backup guard situation is just really bad. It's Austin Schlopman and no one because Chris Reed has been hurt. And I wonder also if that played into Dalton Reisner being here. Uh, Anthony asks, who do you think has the best chance to reach their full potential, Ezra Cleveland or Ed Ingram? Cleveland is more athletic. Ingram looks naturally stronger. Well, I think the answer has to be the guy who's played less in Ed Ingram, but Ezra Cleveland's floor was higher. Ingram was so poor last year. I mean, Cleveland played better at right guard when he had never played right guard before than uh, Ingram did last year, even though he still had his issues. But Ezra Cleveland is very much approaching is what he is. Uh, offensive linemen, I know, take much longer to be sure of, but he is very close to is what he is. Uh, Jay, I might be remembering the play wrong. You're saying Ezra was the one beaten on fourth and eight. I thought it was Garrett Bradbury who got beat on fourth and eight by Dexter Lawrence. I, I could be wrong, but I thought it was Garrett Bradbury. Um so anyway, uh, I guess I, I haven't seen the play in, in quite a while. I was in a restaurant and I looked up and it was NFL Network playing Giants Vikings. And I was like, <laughs> maybe they want to turn the channel uh, here pretty soon. <laughs> don't speak. We don't speak of Dozier. Yeah, too bad. I mean, Dakota Dozier was a, a solid backup who could step in for a game. But when you have to ask somebody to play 17 games, that is that is really tough. Uh, what about Bob says, what do recent analytics say about paying wide receivers top dollar? Is it riskier than paying a top quarterback? Oh, not even close to uh, paying a top quarterback. I mean, you pay a top quarterback these days, you are talking between 40 and $50 million. Even if your receiver is pressing 30, that's still a huge difference in percentage of the cap. Also wide receivers, like take a look at the great wide receivers and the consistency of the great wide receivers and also how much they drive offensive success. They generally are not a position that gets hurt like crazy. They have year. I mean, we've seen this from Jefferson already, but look at Devonte Adams, look at Antonio Brown, look at Mike Evans. Who's had a thousand yards every single season. Look at Stefan Diggs. We could go through the list. Tyreek Hill. These guys put up numbers every year, unless there's some freak injury. And uh, I mean, you don't have to look far to find Jalen Hurts and Tua uh, last year and how much they stepped up based on their wide receivers. I think elite wide receivers are a huge driving force. And if you don't have an elite quarterback, he can be elite because of a wide receiver. And there was, there was like this weird anti elite receiver thing in the mid two thousands where it was like Randy Moss and Terrell Owens never won a Super Bowl. Of course, both of them 
appeared in Super Bowls. And um, Jerry Rice also won a lot of football games. I mean, let's let's take a look at the Rams and Cooper Cup. Uh, He was their whole offense in 2021. Um, you know, they, they were tremendous behind him. How about last year, uh, elite receiver, uh, two of the, well, I don't know if Devonte Smith is elite yet, but AJ Brown, certainly elite receiver was the difference for Philadelphia. How about what Debo Samuel, you know, first team, all pro two years ago, what he does for San Francisco, what Stefan Diggs has meant to Josh Allen. I mean, if, if you're hinting at like, maybe Jefferson's not worth it. I promise you, you'll never convince me. Justin Jefferson's not worth it. No, no amount of. Hey, what if we got cap space? I mean, I'm very happy to give my cap space to the best receiver on earth. Very, very happy. Yeah, I mean, can can we just like every once in a while, you just have to stop me like there's a salary cap that like you use all of it. So you mm-hmm. pay people who are great. It's that you want to make sure that with quarterback, you're not paying 45 million for someone who is only okay and not amazing that's the point so anyway anyway uh let's see um jonathan does the nfl script show (laughs) jalen naylor having a wwe return and shock everyone i would say that's one of the most disappointing things of this camp and there hasn't been that many disappointments jonathan but jalen naylor getting hurt on that first day i thought he was a guy ready to break out and it just the backup receiver thing has has just been unfortunate because of the injuries Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Yeah, it felt like they came into camp with kind of a good, healthy dose of depth at that wide receiver position, and those injuries really took that away quickly. Answering the question, I don't know that Jalen Naylor is the guy for the shock WWE return uh, and shocks everyone. I think if it's anybody to shock any everyone with his return, it'd probably be Lewis seeing that obviously last year didn't go well, the injury took him out, and if he's gonna, if anybody's going to get the WWE return and shock everybody, uh, upon his return, it's going to be Lewis seen coming back and being a whole different player than we saw last year. So, uh, but yeah, going back to the wide receivers, I think it's very disappointing uh, what those injuries have done because Jalen Naylor, as you said, clearly had the talent uh, his second year in the offense, knowing it coming in probably feels a little bit more comfortable in the offense and felt like that he could be one of the guys to step up and be that fourth wide receiver that, that fills in uh, when this offense goes real pass heavy and, it, that injury just took that away from him and the Vikings. So yeah, that's very disappointing what's happened to the depth of that wide receiver room. 
Yeah. And I was sitting here thinking like they might actually have four. you know, I was making fun of the, like, who's the best fourth wide receiver in the league. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it was going to be him, but I thought they might have one in Jalen Naylor. And we just haven't seen anything because of the injury, the return that would be most WWE, which I do not advocate for at all, but would be the most from my time as a WWE watcher, which is very like hit or miss. <laughs> It would be Delvin Cook. If Delvin Cook walked back yes. out in these sunglasses and was wearing number four all of a sudden, and we had no idea, no Adam Schefter report, it's just, and there's Delvin Cook in the backfield. Like, that would be pretty crazy. That would be the WWE. That's not real life. But if it was like crazy, I don't think there's the pop that, I don't think there'd be the pop that they would be looking for if they brought him the WWE pop that you get on some of these returns. I don't think there's that pop if Delvin Cook is the guy who returns. Yeah, maybe because uh, th now that is almost unfortunate. The fans are wise to the running back thing because if they weren't, yeah. then it would be like, whoa, our, our yeah, player is back. Right. Um, you know, but I think of, uh, I mean, all the players who could kind of like come back surprisingly, I don't know. Case Keenum's got to be with somebody and Case Keenum <laughs> comes out for the second team reps. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater just signed with the lions. So, uh, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, that's uh Teddy Bridgewater is putting together one of the great journeyman quarterback careers in history. And you have to respect it. If you're part of our show, when Teddy Bridgewater retires, I will do anything to have him on the show to talk about his journeyman career, because it's, it's just turning out to be really something. Um, Tommy mentions, uh, haven't heard anything about Jonathan Bullard yet. Yeah. He's been taking some first team reps. Jonathan Bullard has just been around. So I think we kind of know what he is. He is, um, for run stuffers, as far as run stuffers go, he's not a huge guy, but that's kind of his thing is he's a gap plugger, not somebody who you're ever going to go like, wow, he's making a huge difference, but can be part of a machine to stuff the run on certain run situations. You know, maybe he plays like 20% of snaps or something in you know first and 10, if they're trying to really stuff the run, or if they don't like what they see out of Kyrus Tonga, then he can pair with Harrison Phillips or if Phillips gets hurt or something. He's, he's a solid backup who I think they like, and they brought back. Um, but he's never somebody that's really going to jump out. Uh, Joe says, how has McBride looked ball security was a knock on him coming out of UAB hasn't been better during camp. The first couple days, he had a couple fumbles. And since then I've noticed that a lot of guys try to whack the ball out of his hands since. And I think that the defenders were told to do that. Like, Hey, <laughs> knock the ball out of his hands. Uh, I don't know. I mean, until they can really tackle, it's hard to say. I don't usually get too concerned with fumbling issues. I don't know. It's, a, it's just some guys have them and then it goes away and then it comes back. It's like, if you look at Adrian Peterson's career fumble percentage, he had a reputation as a fumble guy, but it's not different than anyone else because he kind of solved that after early on. And then when it happened in the NFC championship, well, then that kind of came back. Uh, yeah. But I, I think McBride is going to get a lot of run how he's looked so far. He's been getting a lot of work. I mean, he looks stout as in like he's thick and muscular and he moves well, but that's really all you could tell because they get the ball and they kind of go like, oh yeah, I'm running through you, but you know, no one's tackling them. So I like, I, I don't know, would he have been throttled there by that linebacker or not? I, you know, it's hard to tell. He's a big yards after contact guy. I uh, did want to ask you, Jonathan, um, quick, quick couple questions here before we wrap up and make sure we get everybody's questions in as well. One to 10, how much do you care about the results of this game? Considering we have hyped up 
that, you know, there's a lot of people that we're watching for one to 10. How much do you care? The result, like the final scoreline, uh, is there a negative option? Can I not care about it at all? I mean, it's going to be a one. How good they look, how good they look. I mean, okay. You say negative, but what if it's 41 to nothing? Not that any, not that there would ever be a 41, nothing Vikings game. Uh, as for how they look, I think I'm very interested in, I, I would probably give that a seven or eight as to how they look. Uh, the final scoreline, probably a one. I don't really care. Even if it's 41 donut, I'm not really concerned about it because it is these depth pieces, uh, that will be getting most of the minutes and most of the snaps, uh, in the game tomorrow. So I'll give it as a seven as for the performance and how they look, uh, scoreline, probably a one, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how a lot of these guys, that are fighting for these position are fighting in these positional battles, how they look and how they play against NFL talent, whether that is second or third teamers. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how a lot of the guys on the defense play uh, alongside uh, other professional football players on an NFL football field tomorrow in Seattle. Yeah. I think uh, matters as in you want to see the right players perform well. Yeah. Win loss does not matter in the, uh, at all. Like nah. if they lose, 27 17 like, i don't care lose however you want mike zimmer care i don't care but if if nobody that you want to look good looks good then that does matter so yeah i would mm-hmm. i would say probably a, this is one more like eight out of ten i mean if okay if nobody looks good oh well i'm not gonna say like oh well the two and 15 like, i'm not gonna say that <laughs> but it does matter when you're you've got a lot of unproven people uh, purple purgatory says the trade JJ to use the number one to get our generational QB discussion has merit. It truly does not because mm-hmm. no one is trading you anything for Caleb Williams. It's not going to happen. If you offer the number one, like whoever has the number one pick, let's say it's the bears. And if you said to the bears, you can have Justin Jefferson. If you give us Caleb Williams, the bears would just laugh at you. Like there's no way, like yep. no wide receiver is ever going to be more valuable than taking the generational talent quarterback. So it really isn't a part of the discussion. Uh, would Kansas city trade Mahomes for Jefferson? No. So like, like no one's trading you that. Um, so it, it, it really doesn't uh, have any sort of discussion point. The discussion is entirely, would you trade him for like three draft picks? And if you think that you can use those three draft picks to trade up for number one, I promise you the team who has number one is drafting him. I mean, unless, unless it's a team that has a quarterback injury, then maybe there is that. But even then, I, I I don't think I would do it. I mean, the number one quarterback is not even always the guy who ends up becoming the best. I would rather just draft the third quarterback and keep Justin Jefferson. That's how valuable I think he is to, to winning and quarterback success. Um, speaking of things that will never happen, percentage chance Delvin Cook comes back. <laughs> I No, none. Yeah. Not unless it is WWE. I, like, let's call it the the... I mean, zero, but the, the, I don't know the chance that Justin Jefferson ever tells me I look cool in these shades is the same <laughs> as the chance that Delvin cook comes back. So, um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, now this is, now this is ruthless from Jordan. Delvin cook returns and immediately runs straight in the offensive line for zero yards. That's tough. That's tough. It, years ago, he was good. Um, does PFF grade preseason games? Yes, they do. Uh, yes, they do. And are they reflective of what's going to happen in the regular season? I have not found that to be the case, but at least it gives you a little bit of a snapshot because from my perspective, it's hard to watch every player and I'll watch the game back, but I mean, they're going to grade every player. 
So it doesn't match up with what I see. So if I watch a guy and say, you know, he had a good game, but then I, um, Oh, uh, you're totally fine. Purple purgatory. Totally fine. Making that comment. Like, uh, never be afraid to be shot down in the comment section because, uh, we're all having a good time talking football here. So, um, and I'm glad you're not, but yeah, they do. And so I'll watch the game and we'll react and then I'll watch it again. And then we'll kind of have some more takeaways, but it's nice to have some other sort of metrics to say, Hey, you thought Luigi Valane got a bunch of pressures and actually they think that he did. So, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so anyway, uh, Aaron Rodgers is more likely to be a future Viking <laughs> than Dalvin Cook. Totally agree. Let's wrap up on this. And I would love uh, chat participation here. Who's the coolest Seattle Seahawk ever? Uh, your favorite, your coolest. Your, who is my, who is like, when I say Seattle Seahawk, I don't mean best. I mean a guy who you're like, this Seattle Seahawk was pretty darn cool. I'm going to go with the guy you and Ben mentioned on the podcast the other day. And I know that you, I think I know, I think you might think I know, you know where I'm going here uh, based off many a conversation we've had on air about Madden and it's Seneca Wallace being able <laughs> to play him on Madden and basically get your, uh, your Michael Vick fix without having to trade all the, all the draft picks and everything to get Michael Vick back in the game, back in the day. Uh, Seneca Wallace was the man to get uh, if you wanted a fast mobile QB that could just destroy the game for you. Uh, second would probably be DK Metcalf because he's an absolute monster out of position. You don't see guys that size. It is just really fun to see a human being that size play that position and be really stinking good at that position and do what he does at the position. So those are my two favorite Seahawks or coolest Seahawks of all time. Okay, well, Marshawn Lynch getting a lot of love in yeah. the comment section. Of course, Steve Largent, all-time great. great wide receiver. Uh, they had a fullback named Max Strong. Oh, that's Come perfect. on, <laughs> let's go. Uh, Percy Harvin is a nominee. Hey, it was a heck of a punt re- or a kick return in the Super Bowl for uh, Seattle. Uh, Lynch is probably the coolest. I mean, the guy, they threw Skittles at him just here so I don't get fined. I mean, and of course, backing it up also maybe should have run the ball with Marshawn Lynch at the goal line. Could be too soon to bring that up. But there are a lot of awesome Seattle Seahawks from back in the day, and they're going to wear their throwbacks. Uh, Well, Matt Hasselbeck was a pretty cool Seahawk. Joey Galloway was an awesome Seattle Seahawk. Talk about somebody who was fast on Madden. Joey Galloway, uh, Brian Blades, uh, Doug Baldwin gets a shout out. He was a cool player. Ricky Waters, you want to go way back? They had a running back named Kurt Warner with a C. He was a good good running back, but Ricky Waters had vibes. I mean, he he was a really, uh, really cool running back for them. They had uh, one of the best left tackles of all time, Walter Jones. Uh, mm-hmm. Who was the guy? Was it uh, Lofa Tatupu that we had on the show one time? He was like podcasting, and he was like a linebacker for them who was super, super cool. They, had, I mean, how about Cam Chancellor? for all time, exciting uh, players from them. Who was, they had a linebacker, Chris Brown, who was a great, he wore number 99 Seattle Seahawk. There's a lot of great uh, Seattle Seahawk players and Warren moon being like 40 years old and still, you know, going out there and slinging it around for Seattle, John freeze, uh, Sean Kemp, uh, (laughs) a a lot of great super sign. There is no cooler super sign than that left shrimp. Hands down. Oh, absolutely. His, yeah. His acting deserved Emmys, Academy Awards, if that's possible, in uh, Parks and Rec. 
that left shrimp, one of the all time great parks and rec <laughs> actors. So uh, Jim Zorn is a great one. The, the lefty who just threw it all over the place. Um, so they have, they do have a history of a lot of great and fun players, but I, I think Cam Chancellor for recent was maybe my favorite because he would just smack the heck out of people. He was a violent player. So anyway, I doubt players of that caliber will be playing for Seattle. Oh yeah. Kevin Williams, right. Played for Seattle for a little bit there. What didn't Antoine Winfield sign with Seattle yep. and then like never play with them. I think that was yeah. it. Sean Alexander. Sean Alexander had a run where there was nobody better. And such is the life of an NFL running back. So anyway, good times, Jonathan, uh, as always, you guys are the best with your comments. Really appreciate how fun and interactive this nightly show has become. And, uh, I know that you all will be snoozy tomorrow night after the preseason game. You'll be rubbing the sleep out of your eyes. It's the middle of the week. Maybe you have a real job unlike us. And so you'll be like, <laughs> do I have the energy to listen to a podcast? And the answer is yes. Okay. Get yourself a pair of sunglasses like this and listen to the show tomorrow night after the Vikings first preseason game, we will have complete overreaction on purpose. And uh, so thanks everybody as always. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow night.